Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast. We are here with part two of our Big Twins. Big Twins episode. D, I've got something for you. So let me just lay it all out here on the floor. All right, let me find a middle C here. Here we go. Heart and soul. Yes. Ready? One, two, three. So for that scene, they had doubles. They I had know, doubles. right? They, they had, had doubles. Now, I don't know how to put together exactly all of the stories that I heard, but basically Robert Loja and Tom Hanks know that they have doubles. And the doubles are there in case they're not good enough dancers to pull it off themselves, right? Right. right. Robert Loja and Tom Hanks cut out two different cardboards, go home and practice this, because there's no freaking way they're going to let the doubles steal their thunder. Absolutely. And it is the one of the most memorable scenes in movie history. That's a huge scene, and, and to have those actors pull that off is so vital to the heart and soul of this movie. Ha-ha. <laughs> See what you did there. <laughs> I did that without even trying. Chopsticks. All right. So... Uh, so uh, you know this, let's that brings us we're talking about the production and the what we love about these movies right now yes, okay yes so big is one of those movies that hit me right where it needed to hit me right when it, it, I mean I told you I'm the same age as these guys I'm identifying with everything that they're going through and there's I'm I'm watching this movie and there's literally not one single scene that they got wrong like everything works and I know you have some problems kind of with tipping it. your hand here a little bit I don't care <laughs> Okay. I told you that once I was done with Kelly Preston, I was done with twins. Okay. So I do have some problems with big. Right. So but let me just say I, when I was like, okay, I can't wait for my kids to be old enough to watch big. Cause obviously it's, you know, it's questionable in parts, you know, sure. there's some sexual references and such. And so I was super excited. And then when I got it, somehow I ended up getting the extended version. And so when I oh, watched okay. that with my kids, I'm like, this doesn't seem right. And then I'm like, wait a minute, this is not a scene that was in the original movie. And then I'm, I go back, I'm like, oh, crap. How did I get the extended version? So for those of you who have the opportunity to see the extended version, don't. It sucks. Don't do that. Okay. The way that they put each of these scenes together in the theatrical cut, editing, the timing, everything is perfectly on point, And it gets ruined in the extended version. So don't watch that. Kind of like Star Wars. Keep going. Yeah. I mean, heck yeah. So what, what did you see that wasn't in the theatrical cut? I can't remember. I mean, I was, I mean, my oldest is 20 now. So that's, you know, she was probably 12 okay. when, that, when that happened. And I tried to erase it from my memory, really. Um, I heard that there was some stuff with Billy's parents and they weren't very nice. And heck, I don't even know. Okay. Anyway. I don't even remember that part. So, so they're just moment to moment. We talk about how important that scene is with the keyboard and how memorable it, it is. But you've got the scene on the trampoline 
with Elizabeth Perkins, which is fantastic. You got the scene in the limo where he stands up and is having fun. You get the scene where he is putting together his apartment. I mean, that's a memorable scene for me because I'm thinking, yes, this is where I want to live when I grow up. Absolutely. I want to have a big like warehouse style apartment and I put in a pinball machine yeah. and I can skateboard and drink Pepsi Free and have Cokes. a bunk bed yeah. and a trampoline. I mean, heck yeah. yeah. I'm going to throw the baseball and have the Coke pop out. That's what's going to happen. Absolutely. Should we talk about my problems with big? Sure. Let's go ahead. You, you want to get you, into you tell, that? Yeah. Tell me your so problems I agree with, with you. so that I can tell you where you're wrong. Okay. So I agree with you that big is an immensely charming movie. It's lots of fun. Yeah. I was a, just a touch old, so it didn't hit me straight bullseye summer of 88, but I still got the charm and Tom Hanks is lovable. How could you not love it? So for me, I have just a couple of issues. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Josh's mom is in hell yeah. the entire movie. Yeah. And my heart breaks for her. Yeah. And it broke in 88 when I saw I'm like, this woman thinks her child has been kidnapped. Yeah. You have my boy? Yeah. And you're going to get him back just the way he was. Look, I swear to God, if you do anything to him, if you touch one hair on his head, I will spend the rest of my life making sure you suffer. Wow, thanks. We just glaze over that. We don't glaze over it. We glaze over that. Okay. Josh writes her letters and tells her how much fun he's having, like, at summer camp. And she's like, my child has been kidnapped. Listen, when that scene happens, just keep in mind, this this is a mom that loves her kid and a kid that loves his mom. When he becomes big for the first time, his first instinct is like, I've got to fix this before mom finds out, right? He goes, he drives his bike and goes back to the, find the Zoltar machine at the fair, except when he gets there, fair's gone. Right. Packed up and moved and the Zoltar machine has moved with them, right? Right, right. And then the next first instinct, I can't fix this myself. Does he go to Billy, his very best friend in the whole world first? No. He goes to his mom and tries to explain to his mom, and she goes nuts. Right. Threatens him with a butcher knife. I mean, I can see how he might get a little freaked out at that point and bail, right? Sure. And then next, he goes to Billy. I love how dad is like a minor character in this. Like, why would we talk to dad? Dad just wears crocodile hats. That's yeah, it. he's, yeah. And so, by the way, in casting, I noticed you didn't talk about who played baby sister in this. Yeah, they don't know who it is. Yeah, like, literally. Like, there's not a credit given. And so, to this day, 35 years later. Nobody it is, knows. It is a mystery. <laughs> so, he goes to talk to Billy and they show this as a big problem, right? Like the the one who's most worried about this, it seems to be Josh. Like he's panicked. I don't know what to do. Great. I'm going to be 30 years old for the rest of my life. Right. Like that's the culmination after they go through all of these steps to try to fix this problem. He doesn't want this to have happened. And I think the fact that he can't go talk to his mom about it, we've established that because he tried. It was the first thing he tried. And then just before they leave and go to New York, they're walking by Josh's house and the police are talking to her and they're like, well, they didn't leave a ransom note. I don't know. And like the other kids are standing outside like, I wish I could run away. Yeah, you should go ahead, pack up. You want me to pack for you? <laughs> yeah. And so they touch on it, but you can't make that the focus of the movie. I understand. This that. is a feel-good movie. I understand. I'm just saying, my heart as a parent breaks for this woman, and it should, and it should. But that can't be. I mean, that's what not what the movie is about. Okay. Here's the flip side, the other side of the coin of Big. Yeah. There's a Mel Gibson movie where he's the detective, and there's a child that's been taken, and he's interviewing the parents, and by God, he needs to interview that boy next door because he's the best friend and he knows something. Right. 
and he's going through the slums in New York trying to figure out where this kid went. By God, and this is the last case I solved, and by God, I'm going to do it. We don't get to see that movie. That, that'd be a movie I'd want to see. Really? Yeah. And then, and the culmination is that he's kidnapped because he turned big after making a wish on a carnival game? <laughs> well, and also he's investigating the fact that he got a phone call from Macmillan Toys from the kidnapper, <laughs> and when he goes to show up there, there's a new employee by the name of Josh Baskin. Interesting. It's interesting. <laughs> also, adult Josh Bashkin goes missing. His coworkers don't know what happened to him. Where did he go? Yeah. One minute he's presenting. He's the superstar of the, of the company. Vanished without a trace. He gets this weird look on his face. Just kind of wanders off. Leaves the meeting. Nobody sees him again. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah Mel okay. Gibson's got his hands full. Why Mel Gibson? Why is it Mel Gibson? <laughs> Nick Nolte. <laughs> Gary Busey. Some sort of... Uh, <laughs> exactly. There you go. <laughs> okay, so tell me what your other problems are. Uh, my other problems have to do with the sexual nature of the relationship between an adult woman and a child. And well. I understand that this is a fantasy, and we're all seeing it through Josh's eyes. And I know she didn't know better. There's a 13-year-old kid and a 30-year-old woman who have sex. Right. But he's in a 30-year-old body. I understand that. I understand yes. that. So it'd be a lot worse if it was the other way around. Really hard to get around that part. Yeah. Okay. Other than that, I think it's great. So those two, okay. it's just those two things. Just those two things. Okay. I'm, I'm okay. I, I accept, I accept those two things. Okay. I think you're wrong about the mom thing. I think they give it exactly as much attention as it deserves. I mean, talk about the moment where he has to sing her the song and she's crying and he feels awful. That's, that is exactly what needs to happen and is the entire breadth of what needs to happen with the mom. Okay. And it's a touching touching moment there is a funny moment there too as well where she's like ask him the song i used to sing to him and he's like uh wouldn't you rather ask him something else <laughs> <laughs> so funny memory <laughs> like the corner of my mind <laughs> misty watercolor memory uh, mel gibson needs to trace that phone call to the toy department oh uh, what a weird thing yes okay you said that whenever you were this age and this these movies came out you thought they were both Cute movies. They're both en cute movies. Enjoyable, but nothing that like wowed you to death. I don't think that they are among the best movies of the 80s or no. even 88. Mm. So in, in the summer of 88, you had Coming to America come out. Yeah, which we've covered. Which we've covered and I thought was fantastic. Yeah. And then we had this other movie where terrorists take over the Nakatomi Plaza. Which we've covered. Which we've covered against Lethal Weapon. That's one of my favorite episodes. Right. I was much more interested in what John McClane was doing than Josh Baskin. Okay. But I still, I get it. I, I enjoy these movies. I like the charm of both of them. I think they're both cute. They're funny. I've got a smile on my face the entire time. Now, I don't bust out laughing the entire time like I did the first time I saw Coming to America. Uh-huh. But they're both enjoyable movies. So, whenever you watch the big again for this, mm -hmm. did it move the needle for you? Did you change your thoughts? I liked it better. Yeah. I liked it better because I'm an adult. Uh -huh. I'm the, you know, I'm the older Josh, even though we're not spot on. The idea of being young again, and I, it's a fantasy, right? Oh, we've got that question that you dropped on the last episode that we're going to have to cover here in a little bit. I know. Bit. I'm anxious to hear what you think. Not yet. but oh, Yeah. So shall we talk about twins? Let's talk about twins. Okay, so Twins, I didn't see in 1988. I saw it for the first time a night and a half ago. Yeah, what do you, what do you think? It wasn't good. 
Not not at all, huh? No, it didn't, wasn't. Didn't like it. No, and I mean, obviously, I've revealed where I'm going to end up on these. You know, final judgment is revealed. Sorry, spoiler alert. Right. But no, I mean, I wanted to enjoy it very much, and as I watched it, I I had to I had to keep reminding myself, okay, this is 1988 pacing, right? This is not this is not the comedy of today that it needs to hit me a little bit faster. Events need to occur a little bit faster for my short short attention span. This is 1988. And so the delayed humor is something that I just kind of got to remember how to enjoy. But even telling myself that, there were like two moments where I kind of chuckled at something that Danny DeVito said. You tell your brother he messes with me, he messes with my whole family. And then kept expecting it to go somewhere that it never went. I mean, the the end I knew from the beginning that they would find their mother again. I knew that from the beginning because I could just tell. I was just that I know that's what's going to happen. Sure. But there were so many opportunities that I felt like they had that they didn't fulfill. And then they threw something in in the middle that I thought, well, if we'd had a little bit of that at the beginning, then it would have made a little more sense. But this is just kind of some random act that now is happening in this movie. And I just was like, not that funny. It all seems to be built on... I mean, the success of this movie is all built on the ridiculous idea of the premise of Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito. These polar opposites are twins. That's the joke. It's a great... It's a great premise. It's a great premise. And I felt like guys from the trading places and guys from these other monumental movies that figured out how to do it later on, I thought they would deliver more on this one. And then just, they didn't. Okay. You want to hear my problem with twins? Yeah. Okay. So... Uh, Jeff Johnson and I always talk about the Colvin cut, right? Like, what would I change about this movie to make yeah. it better? So the initial joke is that Julius finds out he's got a brother and he's been missing and they're going to reunite. That's a great premise. And then it kind of collides with a Miami Vice episode of Beetroot and the stolen V8 engine. Yeah, right? the, the turbocharged The engine. turbocharged thing. No, fuel injected. That's it. Fuel injected That's right. engine. Yeah. That's right. So first of all, that's not a big enough MacGuffin for me. Nope. The Ark of the Covenant in the back of somebody's trunk? You know, let's raise the stakes a little bit or something. Right. Well, I mean, and you expect it to be drugs the whole time. Yeah. And then it's like, it's a fuel inject. Uh, okay. Well, that's a weird, interesting right. thing to do. It's a left blinker for a new car coming out. But anyway. Go ahead. Colvin cut. So I think that if they had started off giving us a little bit of the backstory on that particular thing at the beginning of the movie, you know, bad guys or, hey, they knock off somebody, they steal it from a from a corporate warehouse somewhere and, they're, you know, beetroot's involved and we know who the bad guys are. We know what this item is. We know how important it is or how valuable it is. And that story parallels to Julius and Vincent. But we just kind of collide with that part of the story. Yeah. And then you and I talked about the bad guy. I thought he was kind of menacing, but you said you kind of liked him. I did kind of like him. And this guy, this is the Webster character. This is Marshall Bell, the guy who was supposed to get the car and supposed to deliver the fuel injection engine for $5 million, right? Right, right. And I texted you. I'm like, hey, I wonder if this guy and Arnie are friends because... He is the the prophet, or at least the guy who has the prophet baby in his belly from Total Recall. I know that blew me away. Which we covered with we covered Total Recall with the guys from a thirty something. We right? did do that. That's okay, exactly so thirty right. something movie podcast. We did Total Recall episode with them, and this guy's in it. And I I thought he was I, I, he was funny. I mean, you know, I just you know what nobody's ever. I was supposed to deliver this, and you know what nobody's ever seen my face. Boom, boom, boom. Right, I'm like he's he's terrifying, but also kind of, you know, likable. Sure. 
But yeah, I'm with you. Like if you're going to introduce that, give us something in the beginning. Don't just randomly. The only thing, the only foundation that they lay is that David Caruso tells Danny DeVito when there are cars that are worth something, he could come and steal and, and fence to this other car dealership or whatever. Right, right. It doesn't lay any foundation about the fuel injection engine and why Webster's involved or any of that. That is not laid. What foundation is laid at the beginning is, hey, we did this massive scientific experiment involving this beautiful woman and these five different fathers, put them all together to create the perfect human being, perfect physically, perfect mentally, you know, educated on this island raised in a tropical paradise to create this perfect being. Great. That is a fantastic premise. And then five minutes in the movie, he rose off the island with their blessing and never comes back. We don't know why they did it. We don't know why they let him go so easily. It's just like, well, we spent all this money and all this time and 30, it's their 35th birthday, 35 years. And we'll just say, Oh, you want to go see your brother? All right. See you later. Right. And we don't tell you why we did all this in the first place. See, I, I asked myself that very question. I'm like, what's going on at the island? You know, I think that the experiment was like officially shelved. And then you have that one doctor just kind of raising Arnold because there's really no, no other explanation because they just let him go. Yeah. Which I sent you a picture. I don't want to beat this lady up, but the island that Arnold Schwarzenegger lives on uh -huh. in the opening scene where he's rowing away. Yeah. There is a giant lady straight out of a trailer on the beach with him. So clearly not everybody's eating health food and studying philosophy. I must have missed that. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Yes, they hang their hat on two jokes. One, Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger are twins. I'm genetic garbage. We are twins. We are basically the same. And two, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mr. Action Hero himself, is this naive virgin for the first time in mainland America dealing with all of the Let's talk about that crime story. and other stuff. When Kelly Preston seduces Arnold, <laughs> so he is uh I'm sorry, I, I lost track of he what knows you were saying everything. there. What? <laughs> <laughs> he knows about this stuff in theory. In theory. Until the beautiful Kelly Preston shows up and is there a manual that I can look at here. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Yeah. So yeah, in both movies, you have two men lose their virginity yep. and both have friggin' goofy as crap looks on their face in the next scene. And now that scene makes me laugh out loud in both movies. Yes. Both of them have the goofy smile, super happy. <laughs> their eyes have been opened and now they've leveled up. And a coffee? Coffee? Yeah, <laughs> black. <laughs> right. Okay. Now that's an important connection, right? Yeah. Both virgins, both lose their virginity. And the other kind of key ingredient that we thought, hey, this is the right matchup to make is these are guys who are naive, kind of a fish out of water circumstance, right? And they, sure. they both follow the hero's journey. Arnold goes from his tropical island to the underworld of LA. Josh Baskin goes from his suburban ideal life to the crime-ridden streets of New York City. Another fantastic scene, by the way, where Tom Hanks is terrified and crying in bed after he uses his man body to shove the dresser in front of the do right. door. The guy's speaking loud in Spanish outside my door. It scares me. Yeah. This both. Of, so the, these movies are related. 
I mean, not just in premise. Yeah. But these both of these movies were the People's Choice Awards winners. Both winners. They tied for the favorite comedy motion picture of 1988. Absolutely. People love these movies. They're two huge comedies that are definitely related. It's just that I can't. For the life of me, I can't figure out how twins is even close to being in the same category with Big. You have no respect for logic. So here's the deal. When they were filming Twins, they knew they had a hit when the crew would sit around and they'd watch dailies. And everybody would laugh at the dailies. Mm -hmm. So they found it funny at the time. I thought it was funny at the time. Yeah. This is not sitting well with you, though. Well, and here's the thing. You and I kind of talked about this. It seems like for the movies of the 80s... I guess this isn't true for my kids, so maybe it's either you're a kid when you see it or you were a kid when you saw it for the first time. Sure. Like, if you missed the boat on Twins in 1988, as an adult, I don't think you're going to enjoy it because I I tried real hard and I just didn't. You and I talked about this. Yeah. There's something very important about the age you are and your expectation level when you see something. Right. And I mean, and it's... It's not as though I don't enjoy even older movies, like movies from the 70s and the 60s and the 50s. I mean, we freak, we covered M. M and Psycho. And- which was 1931, and I was captivated. Yeah. I was absolutely captivated. And it was in a foreign language, for goodness sake. Right. I don't know. There's just something about, so far, my experience has been, if I missed the boat, I don't love it. Right. I didn't, I, I liked Predator, but there were definitely moments in, I had more laugh out loud moments in Predator <laughs> than I did in Twins. <laughs> And the laugh out loud moments were like the ridiculousness of the explosions and the guy, the bodies flying and the, you are one ugly mother. Yeah. 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 That part was actually kind of funny. So it's interesting. You know, it's weird for me to say that being the host of an 80s movie podcast, yeah. but I there, I think there is definitely something to be said about if you didn't catch it when it was in the 80s or when you were a kid, it may not hit you right. Okay. Well, now listen to this. Yeah. You almost get your wish here because they had a sequel in mind for twins. Right. Called Triplets. Yep. And for the longest time, like 10 years, Eddie Murphy was attached to play the third brother. Yeah. I watched an interview with Arnold Schwarzenegger. He was talking about how this is what was in the script. Marianne Benedict dies. Julius and Vincent find out who gets the money in the will, and she names a third brother. And they find out it's Eddie Murphy. I mean, hilarious, right? Great premise. Sure. Now, I don't know about the execution, but after about 10 years, Eddie Murphy drops out. Then Tracy Morgan steps in. Uh-huh. And Tracy Morgan, not quite as funny, but still good, right? Okay. And uh, they were getting ready. They were all ready to go. And then Ivan Reitman died. Yeah. Tragic. So I don't know if we'll ever get triplets. Yeah. That may be okay. (laughs) So in addition to obviously being People's Choice for Comedy Award and being a box office powerhouse. Twins? Yeah. $200 million. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 double I, big. I obviously have got the wrong perspective on this movie. I don't know how I'm missing it, but I'm obviously missing it because it was a monumental success. And the song Twins from the movie. Yeah. Performed by Philip Bailey and Little Richard himself. Oh, yeah. Hit number 82 on the Hot 100. <laughs> what? Yeah. The song? I guess. I don't, I don't even, I, it, it has to be because of the movie, because I can't, I mean, the 
Twins? Would you have even known that that was a song before we did this? No, no. No. But at that point, people loved it so much that they even went out and bought the album. Both of these movies, for the record, beat Die Hard at the box office, which alone is a travesty. Yeah, yeah. The composers for this one were Jorge de la Rue, who has won many, many awards for his compositions. Okay. And also Randy Edelman, who was the composer for MacGyver. Yeah, Randy Edelman. (laughs) My good friend. I got to say, the music on this one is very 80s and just kind of like... Uh, it's like they're trying too hard. I don't know. It's very Ivan Reitman, I guess, is is probably where I would go with this. Okay. Before you leave Twins, yep. there's one piece of music involved in Twins that I think works magically. It's when Arnold Schwarzenegger is on the airplane and he starts singing, Yakety Yak, don't talk back. Take out the papers and the trash. Or you don't get no spending cash. If you don't scrap that kitchen floor... You ain't gonna rock and roll no more. Yakety yak. Don't talk back. It's funny. People loved that moment in the theater. What I thought was hilarious about that moment is when the flight attendant comes to talk to him, he can't stop looking at her boobs, just like like Josh Baskin in Big. Sorry, I have never heard rock and roll before. So cinematographer this one is a guy named Andres Bartokowicz. It's easy for you to say. Okay. He is famous for Exit Wounds and Speed and Doom. Okay, Okay. sure. All right. That brings us back over to Big, where our cinematographer is a guy we've just talked about, Barry Sonnefeld. Yeah. So Barry Sonnefeld was the cinematographer for... Raising Arizona by the Coen brothers. He, of course, goes on to do many big things, including Men in Black. As I was watching Big again, I'm thinking to myself, there is a style that Penny Marshall has that is very reminiscent of her former husband, Rob Reiner. They both have a warm feel to what they are filming that I think paints a very pleasing picture. It's the perfect for a feel-good movie. Think about Rob Reiner in 87. He does Princess Bride. Yeah. One of the best movies of the 80s. Yes. Penny Marshall turns around, does Big, one of the most revered movies of the 1980s. Yes. It's a pretty good one-two combo couple years. Yeah. I Not mean, to mention Stand By Me in 86. Exactly. Yeah. And Awakenings. I mean, A League of Their Own. A League There's, of Their Own. Yeah. These Those two have done some phenomenal movies no yep. question about it no yep. question about it with big again this is where it comes back up i told you ivan reitman partnered up with a guy on broadway to do a broadway musical before he hit it big as a film producer and director the guy he partnered up with was howard shore yeah there you go was the composer for lord of the rings is along with a billion other things including big he was the composer for big and I felt like the music in Big was so much better and so well-placed. You just, I mean, if you just alone, you just think about the music that was the key theme for the Zoltar machine. Yeah. You hear that and you and you know, oh, okay, there's something going on with the machine. And it just gives you that little cue that's mysterious and a bit, you know, foreign and okay. magical. Because if you think about it, this movie is about one magic moment that they don't have to explain any further we know the video game is what caused it yep the video game is what fixes it yep everything else they are dealing with it as if it is absolutely really happening you know 
it's not like you've got this big ridiculous premise like a father and son switching bodies and right. they don't explore it's like you have a terrified 12-year-old kid in the body of a 30-year-old adult. They both, he and his best friend, know the solution. They've got to find the game again and remake the wish. And then what do they do? They have to go and look at video game stores. And then the video game guys obviously are like, well, you need to go to this you know, government office and they can tell you when the fair was there and right. what games were there. And, right. and the ladies like, fill this out in triplicate and we'll... Take a month to process, and we'll let you know in six weeks. Six weeks? Yeah, if you're lucky. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's real. That's government work right there. Sure. That's real. Here's the other thing, uh, along with that idea. Yeah. Okay. We talked last episode about the alternate universe where there's a Mel Gibson movie where he's investigating the lo- the kidnapped child <laughs> right. in Big. Okay? Right, right, yeah. I would also propose that there's a missing movie where Billy realizes that Josh got his wish granted by this machine. Uh-huh. And while Josh is, you know, going back home playing stickball and saying hi to mom, Billy's there going, I want a billion dollars. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Or, or Elizabeth Perkins' character, Susan, decides she wants to pursue Josh, and there is rumors that they actually filmed this ending. I couldn't find it anywhere. Uh-huh. Where she would then wish to be young. Yeah. And actually, uh, the rumors are that they shot this ending where Josh is back in school and the teacher says, class, we have a new student. Her name is Susan. Uh huh. And she walks in, a little girl. Little girl in pigtails. Yeah. I'm so glad that they didn't do that. That would have been too Hollywood. It would have, the ending of this movie where she sees him walking away and shrinking down to young Josh in the suit is heartbreaking. And I think her explanation of, that was that was a hard time to go through, and I don't want to go through that hard time again. It needs to stay that way. Now, they did make a movie. They made a movie called Little in 2019. What? Yep. They made a movie, and a woman is transformed into the younger version of herself when the pressures of adulthood become too much to bear. And it stars Regina Hall and Issa Rae, both great actresses, but... Uh, it was not a success at all. It is a, it got a 5.5. Okay. I've got some tidbits for you. Okay. You ready yes. for tidbits? I'm excited for the tidbits. Let me hit it. Okay. All right. What do you want first? You want twins or you want big? Let's go back to twins. All right. So I got some tidbits for you on twins. Okay. Here you go. Yep. We talked about how Arnold Schwarzenegger did this money with no salary. Danny Vito, no salary. Ivan Reitman, no salary. And Arnold Schwarzenegger made $35 million on this movie. Right. Okay. Now then, he and Danny DeVito and Ivan Reitman went on to make the movie Junior. Yeesh. You ever seen that one? No. I haven't either. I have really no desire to see that one. No. About a man getting pregnant? Yep. Not I'm for out. Me. But here's the deal. They were filming that movie. And they would constantly play practical jokes on each other, Arnold and Danny DeVito. Okay. So they had filmed this scene, working on this scene in the morning, and they broke for lunch break. Uh-huh. And during their lunch break, Danny DeVito came to Arnold and said, you know, Arnold, you always give me cigars. I've got a special cigar for you. Gives him a cigar. Arnold's like, great, this is awesome. Thank you very much. Smokes it. And when he goes back, he gets there, and Ivan Ryman's like, okay, ready, action. And Arnold's like, what's my line? I can't remember my line. He's like, 
don't you remember this is the scene we were working for before lunch? It's this, this, and this. Yeah. He's like, we were working on a scene before lunch. What are you talking about? <laughs> Couldn't remember anything. Okay. Not, not the situation, uh-huh. not the scene, not the line. Well, it turns out Danny DeVito gave him uh, lots of marijuana pumped into that cigar. Ah, I gotcha. So Arnold was stoned. Gotcha. <laughs> Uh, okay, let's talk about the Rambo poster as Julius is walking around mm-hmm. L.A. Yep. He sees a poster, Rambo Part 3, uh-huh. which came out the summer of 88. Looks at his arms. Looks at his arms. Ah, kind of waves him off. Uh-huh. That is in reference to a rivalry that Stallone and Schwarzenegger had in the 80s. Yep. And actually, it came to a head on Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. Pranks. Yes. Pranks. Yeah. So I mentioned in our last episode that one of the writers for this movie, for Twins, was William Davies. He also co-wrote Stop or My Mom Will Shoot with author and famous Save the Cat guy, Blake Snyder, which is also notorious for being one of the worst movies of all time. Came out in 1992, had Sylvester Stallone and Estelle Getty from The Golden Girls. Right. But how did Sylvester Stallone decide to do this obviously awful movie? It was offered to Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he kind of feigned interest in it. And so Stallone got wind of that and jumped on it. It was the old (laughs) whoopsie-doo head fake. Yeah, yeah. And Schwarzenegger thought, this is going to tank, so I'll fake like I'm interested in it. He'll do it, and it'll tank, and then I'll rise because he's tanking. Yeah. So. And it worked. Yeah. Until Junior came out two years later. Oh, my gosh. Followed not too long after by Last Action Hero. We're going to talk about Last Action Hero, I think, this summer, aren't we? Yeah. What went wrong? And actually, that's not really even the low point of Arnold's career. Batman and Robin, <laughs> one of the worst movies of the 90s. So as I was watching Twins, and he's like, he, they've just got their matching suits, and he's like, do I look cool now? And Danny DeVito's like, Mr. Ice. Yeah. Yeah. And I sent you a little gif of the Iceman cometh with Mr. Freeze. Yeah. Whoosh. Bad stuff. Danny DeVito played the Penguin in Batman Returns. Oh, that's right. Yeah. The two Batman villains there. Yeah. But Mr. Freeze is definitely the worst. Yeah. Not but good. I, he also made $20 million for that movie. Yeah. You know, Up front. About half as Not much on the as back he end. made front. in Twins. Yeah. yeah. Right. At the end of this movie, he bought the entire crew the Born to be Bad t-shirts. <laughs> that's fantastic. Right? Yeah. And actually, the scene where he's learning to dance from Danny DeVito. Next to my feet, not on him. <laughs> There's another big movie in 88 where a man teaches another man to slow dance. Came out right about the same time. Rain Man. Oh, right. Tom Cruise and Dustin Hoffman. Nice. We're going to for that one, too. Aren't we? I think so. Yeah. In the winter. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So that's it on my tidbits for twins. Okay. Tell me what you got on big. Flipping back to big. Hey! Hey, you're Josh Baskin, remember? You broke your arm on my roof. You hid in my basement when Robert Dyson was about to rip your head off. You don't get it, do you? This is important. Okay, so I thought this was fascinating. The way Penny Marshall filmed Big, she would tell the scene to David Moscow. He would act it out Mm -hmm. as best he could. Then he would step aside, and then Tom Hanks would act it out, and he would base the adult Josh actions on David Moscow's performance. Yeah, it's a great method. Yep. The corn thing was absolute improv- Tom Hanks eating baby corn just a little bit on, like the kernels. I mean, the baby corn is one, but I mean, the the, the, the caviar, when he eats the caviar and he <laughs> takes it out of his mouth, I mean, again, a perfect moment. A perfect, this is what a 12-year-old That's would what do. That's what, yes. <laughs> He's throwing it on the floor, coughing. 
And then the whole time Elizabeth Perkins is throwing herself at him while he's gagging on this food. I thought that was kind of weird. Okay. The shimmy shimmy cocoa pop rap that they say to each other, or I don't know if you call it a rap or not. Shimmy shimmy cocoa pop, shimmy shimmy rock, shimmy shimmy cocoa pop. Go ahead. Tom Hanks got that. His son had been at summer camp, Mm -hmm. came back, and he had a variation of that. Probably Colin, right? Probably was Colin Hanks. Yeah. Yeah. And they wrote their own lyrics for that, but they used the shimmy shimmy cocoa pop from that song. Yeah. What song is, what's the song called? So apparently the Shimmy Shimmy Cocoa Pop song lyrics comes from a 1959 song, uh-huh. Little Anthony and the Imperials, and they pulled that from the 50s. Okay. It's cool. a real song. All right. Oh, all right. My last little tidbit for you. Okay. That I am excited to drop on you. Okay. Okay. The amusement park at the end is what they call Playland in Rye, New York. Okay. Okay. Yeah. This location is also used in Mariah Carey's oh. fantasy video. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Your favorite artist, Mariah oh. Carey. Okay. I don't want to try to do a Patreon advertisement with my with Mariah Carey as the premise. Oh, you have to. No. Listen, guys, join Patreon not for Mariah Carey, but for everything else. One hit wonders. <laughs> Patreon.com backslash Shirley Podcast, and you will get access to all of our one-hit wonder and other kind of infamous songs of the 80s and maybe 70s and maybe 90s. Yeah, including All I Want for Christmas is You. Stop. People will <laughs> not sign up if you tell them that. Okay. So, D, I've got a question for you. Okay. We, we really need to answer this big question. Yep. You're adult Josh. Uh-huh. You have skipped middle school. You have skipped high school and college. You are now a important executive. You're making great money. You have this wonderful Manhattan penthouse apartment with a trampoline and space invaders and a Coke machine where you don't need any coins. You got a girlfriend who's super cute and you are killing it. Yeah. Do you go back to your house and mom and dad and the crocodile hats? In a heartbeat. Okay. Tell me why. In a heartbeat. Because, because mom. And I don't want to, I don't want to get too personal, but. Uh, in 1988, I lost my mom. Right. And so you mentioned before that one of your big problems with the movie is that this mom is in hell without him. And I mentioned she's the first person that he goes to whenever this problem happens because it's a problem. It's a wish come true that is a curse. And so he, the first person, when he can't fix it himself, the first person he goes to is mom. And obviously she doesn't get it. And that's the problem. But... There's no way he would, and there's no way I would leave my mom in hell wondering what happened to me. Too important. I mean, yeah, hooking up with the hot girl at work and the cool apartment and all of that stuff is stuff I dreamed of as a young 12-year-old, but you go back to mom. Yep, I agree with you. That's great. That's great. Yeah. All right, now then, you're Arnold Schwarzenegger. You've been raised on a perfect island. You go see the big city in L.A. Mm -hmm. You meet your brother. You, you marry a beautiful woman, you have twins. Yeah. You raise them in L.A., do you go back to the island? Take Kelly Preston back to the island, start a nudist colony. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, I mean, heck yeah. I'm going, I, what? yes, yes. I yes. I mean, you've, you, I, I told you my biggest problem with the island, because we really don't know that much about it. But, I mean, the idea of, hey, I get all of my needs provided for, right? I've got all the physical training I need, the perfect diet, I can study whatever I want to study, all that stuff. The biggest problem is he's got nobody to talk to. I don't have a Jason Colvin to go talk to about <laughs> my stuff. Yeah. That's not paradise, right? Yeah. 
So if you if you're bringing back Kelly Preston and we can talk stuff together and make twins throughout the years, yeah, I'd go back to the island and bring a friend with you. Grab your brother and his family. Grab your family. Yeah. Go back to the island. Exactly. I agree with you on that. All right. Are we ready for final judgment? Let's do it. Final judgment. Okay. We already know where you stand, so go ahead. I, I was going to say, I haven't kept it a secret. I didn't see twins in the 80s, and I think that's a big problem for enjoying the movie because going back and watching it not having seen it, I did not like it. I didn't think it was funny. A couple of chuckle moments. The highlight is Kelly Preston, and that is all this movie has to offer for me. I, I will say, Kindergarten Cop, the next Ivan Reitman, Arnold Schwarzenegger matchup, I think is absolutely fantastic. It's funny. I think they did it right by not making him kind of goofy and naive, but making him a tough cop who has to deal with a comedic situation. I thought it was great. Loved it. Would watch it over and over again. But again, I saw that one in the theater when it came out. Big, I did see in the theater and have loved from the first day I saw it till now. It is a perfectly made movie and it is miles and miles away. My first choice over twins. Awesome. All right. So I think that's interesting. Again, it matters when you see it. It matters. Nostalgic matters, right? Yeah. Uh, when I think about these two movies, I saw them both in the theater. I had warm memories about both of them. So when I go back and revisit, I watch Twins, and it's cute. And I like the joke between Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito. I mean, you have to have some sort of liking to that premise or the whole movie's in the tank. And I think it's, it's a great premise. I think it's funny. The little brother who came out as the crap from the milkshake... Right? It's that's all funny. Yeah. Great premise. Yeah. When I went back and watched Big, I told you both of these movies were sort of off bullseye for me. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I liked them. I didn't love them at the time. Die Hard blew my socks off. So where do these movies stand in comparison to that? It was no contest. But now that I'm a father, I'm an adult. Big is just so darn charming and so fun. I have my issues with it, mainly because Mercedes Rules character is just absolutely in torment for six weeks. But it's big all day, every day, 100% of the time. Nice. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Hey, we agree. I really thought, I didn't think that that was what was going to happen. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I love big. So what about twins? I like it. I love Kelly Preston. She looks absolutely stunning in this movie. Kind of beating that over the head, haven't we? (laughs) It's the highlight, you know? It is the highlight. It is the highlight. Yeah. Uh, and, And I'll say this. Arnold Schwarzenegger looks great. He yeah. is at his Mr. Olympia best in this. Yeah. And he's funny. It's just a one-joke movie, and it's cute. I would say Twins good, Big better. And Die Hard great. And Die Hard great. <laughs> yes. That's uh, hilarious. Well, Shirley fans, tell us what you think. What do you pick on these? What are your nostalgia memories of these? Are you at this point, wanting to go back and watch them with your own kids because there's a good chance that your kids are going to like them. So tell us what you think. Hit us up on Facebook. Hit us up on Twitter. Email us at ShirleyPodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Looking forward to hearing those reviews like we got last week that you guys concoct. And even if you've left a review before, feel free to leave another one. I, I got a shout out to Kevin Davis right now, okay? Yes. So Kevin Davis gives us a root review Basically, every time we release a new set of episodes. I love it. I love hearing it's, what he has to awesome. say. It's awesome. I know me he's too. He's a Patreon member. And he, one of the his hobbies, he's an engineer, but one of his hobbies is to design guitars, like to, like he paints them and makes them beautiful. And, and I had this kind of old guitar that I thought, oh, I'll let, you know, hey, Kevin, would you be interested in doing this? And he's like, oh, yeah, I love it. It's my thing. 
and he has ripped his hair out trying to make this thing work, but it's such a piece of crap guitar <laughs> that he's just like, okay, so I just bought you a new guitar, and I'm going to design that for you. And I was like, great. That's fantastic. Oh, let's, man. Let's just do that. So shout out to Kevin Davis. I truly appreciate you, brother. It is great to – we. I see him frequently when I go to study my stuff for the podcast. I'm in a restaurant, and he'll show up, and I'll end up talking to him all the time. Kevin, we really do appreciate you. I'd love to meet you one of these days, and thank you for your constant reviews. I love seeing those, too. He told me that he and James Buckley are now close friends on Facebook. Oh, that's great. <laughs> that's great. That's great. Okay, let me tell you what we've got next. Next week, with our buddy Dale Selby, Patreon Dale Selby, we are diving into Poison's Open Up and Say Ah. Sweet. CD. Another 1988 memory for me, for sure. Released May 3rd, 1988. Big songs, nothing but a good time. Fallen Angel, and of course, Every Rose Has Its Thorn. Come back next week. It's going to be fun. Thanks, guys. <laughs>